0: about over but Ken thank you for your call very good comments and I hope to hear from you again our next program will air the fourth Friday in September the producers for producers for Education Today are Kevin Cartwright and Jaron Epstein the board off for today's program is Gary Baca I'm your host Kitty Kelly Epstein and thank you for your participation bye bye You're tuned to listener-sponsored Grassroots Radio, KPFA and KPFB in Berkeley, as well as KFCF in the Valley of Fresno and online all around the world at kpfa.org. Now stay tuned for Cover to Cover.
1: As you travel north on Highway 151 through Sauk Center's famous Main Street and the cornfields and processing plants of north-central Minnesota, you see a sign that reads, Welcome to Long Prairie, expanding our horizons. On Long Prairie's Main Street, you'll find a lot of the things that people associate with small-town America. There's a diner where farmers sit in their overalls and catch up on the day's news, and the dime store where neighbors are happy to say hello. But if you ask a lot of the residents here, you might hear more about how much things change than how much they stay the same. Long Prairie is going through an amazing transformation as Mexicans and other Latinos migrate north. A few doors down from the diner and the dime store, there's a new kind of business. It's here to serve a new population. Mexicans who come here looking for work and who sometimes stay permanently. For its customers, La Michoacana looks and smells like home. There are shelves lined with bags of corn flour, cans of pickled jalapenos, and small wheels of cheese in the coolers. But what really brings in the customers are the bright red, yellow, and green sodas. These syrupy drinks are a big draw for the after-school crowd, and for Mexican teenagers living in Long Prairie, they bring back memories of their origins in rural Mexico. But now their home is rural Minnesota.
2: Hanging around with friends, we play basketball, soccer, fish. We do all kinds of stuff.
3: Yeah, I, in the lake, Lake Charlotte I wanna go with my boyfriend and jet ski and stuff like
2: that. I like to play soccer and go with my friends to see his girlfriends or
3: something. Um, On the weekends I go like dances, Mexican dances. They make them here in Long Prairie in the VFW. They just have DJs or sometimes they bring like Mexican groups and stuff. I like cumbia. I love cumbia. That's my favorite.
1: These kids act and sound like typical teenagers that you'd find anywhere in the United States. But their lives tell a story about a problem affecting communities across the nation. According to the Department of Education's completion study, the graduation rate for Minnesota's Latino students is only 47 percent. In rural places like Long Prairie, the problem is even worse. Not a single Latino has ever graduated from Long Prairie High School. We spent a semester in Long Prairie meeting with the students weekly and asking them one deceptively simple question, why aren't they graduating? To get to this question, we'll introduce you to three of the students and their friends.
3: I've been in band. I I used to play the clarinet, but then I I decided it was, like, not my thing. (laughs) I wanted to be, like, more active.
1: That's Natalie. She wears a pink Mickey Mouse sweatshirt comfy jeans and her name in gold on a necklace. She has a baby face with carefully applied pale pink lip gloss and blue eyeshadow. Her life is a lot more complicated than most 15 year olds.
3: I always wanted to be a cheerleader or be in volleyball but after I had my kid I thought that I probably didn't have time for it.
1: A 15 year old girl in the ninth grade with a toddler at home to look after sounds like a dropout risk but her son is the motivation that just might get her through high school.
3: When I was in the middle school and I didn't have my kid, I was like, Oh well, no. I I used to tell my sister and stuff that I was going to drop out when I was 16. I was like, why do I want to go to school? And, you know, I just want to work and stuff. But then after I had him, it's like, I can't. Because if I don't give him a future, you know, if I don't get one, what's he's not going to be, you know, who is, who's who's going to be his role model and stuff.
1: Then there's Elizabeth.
4: Well, my sister dresses up like me because we always dress up the same clothes. and Well, we pick her up because we look like twins, and my mom buys the same dresses and everything. And I always match her match with my clothes.
1: Elizabeth is hard to miss. She's got long brown hair dyed with flashy bronze streaks. With sparkling makeup, pleather capri pants, and stiletto heels, she looks like a Mexican pop star. Her outrageous look belies her status at Long Prairie High School. Elizabeth is poised to become its very first Latino graduate. If she makes it, she'll be the exception to the rule.
2: My first kiss, I don't know who it was, I just grabbed somebody in the dance and I gave her a kiss because I felt that I wanted to kiss somebody. And I took a girl out and I just like grabbed her and give her a kiss and she slapped me and I gave her another kiss <laughs> and they kicked me out because
1: I was kissing a lot. <laughs> That's smiley. His round face shows the beginnings of a mustache. His hair is gelled back and he wears his pants baggy like his favorite rap stars. He walks with a swagger, but he doesn't come across as a tough guy. He's more of a class clown or or a wannabe slam poet.
2: I like to hang around with my homes. I like to party. But that don't mean I'm a troublemaker. I'm a good, friendly guy that lives in Center Avenue in a green, big
1: house. (laughs) Smiley Street in Long Prairie is like a lot of residential streets in the rural Midwest these days, rapidly filling up with Latino households, especially Mexican families who migrate north looking for work. They find that work on the killing floors and packing lines of slaughterhouses that dot the rural landscape. These are no easy jobs. In fact, meatpacking was identified by the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics as the most dangerous job in America. Still, every year, thousands make the trip for these jobs and the security that they hope they will provide. Um,
3: I was born in Michoacán, in Puerto
5: um, I born
2: in Mexico City, and I get in Lumpre because my my parents moved here to work to get a better life.
4: We decided to come here because because we don't have a lot of money to buy
2: meat. Teachers told me that we were going to move to a place named Minnesota. I didn't even know where it was.
3: And my mom, just one time, she decided that she wanted to go somewhere else where she could get a better job. I got from school and she just told us, pack your stuff up, we're leaving. And I was like, you know, where, <laughs> where are we leaving? Because it was just like quick, you know, we didn't have nothing planned or anything.
2: We're moving to, to America and I said,
3: what?
2: I don't want to move.
3: The, the way we got to here to Long Prairie is because my uncle, he, he moved here. And then he told my dad about it, that there was work here. We just started to live here.
2: He knew a supervisor here at the Long Prairie Packing Plant. And he did us a favor to put my dad in the packing plant. That's how we ended up here in Minnesota.
3: I've been here six years already.
2: Yeah, so I have like almost four years here in Long Prairie. Like four years, I think
1: along with workers come families. Long Prairie High School principal Jerry Turner has seen firsthand how the influx of Latino families has affected not only the community at large but specifically the high school as it is faced with the challenge of meeting the needs of a new population of students. I think
0: I saw Mexican kids five years ago for the first time that has Uh, changed the demographics in the sense that now 20% of our student body uh, five years later uh, are Mexican students.
1: The school itself looks like any educator's dream. Pristine hallways, smiling teachers, and a state-of-the-art computer lab. Students appear to mix in the hallway with ease. It's really easy to see how students would find a sense of belonging here, but not all students do. Yeah, you know, like in
3: the lunch line, Yeah, some couple girls say that, like, why you come here, go back to Mexico, what are you doing here? Stuff like that. But I don't understand why they say that. (laughs) Like,
2: why? People just stared at me and I just keep walking. But when I get mad, I'm like, I tell them, what you looking at? Or... I just tried to scare them back because what they're looking at me for, <laughs> and I get mad. So I told them what why are they looking at me for.
4: Three ladies, I was open my locker and then caught me and pushed me on my locker. And because he don't like them, it's kind of, it was the first. We, we was the first one, so I don't know, and it was so bad. And I don't want to come to
1: the school that time. It's feelings like these that sometimes keep kids from coming to school at all. The students report that it's difficult to get up for school in the morning when they are the objects of hostility and suspicion. Truancy is a big problem among Hispanic kids at Long Prairie High School, and for most students, it's the first step towards dropping out altogether.
2: I promised myself to, like, come to school, do all my homework, behave good, and all kinds of stuff. So the first like three months of school I was cool I was all right so then we started skipping and we like we liked to skip we thought it was fun because we didn't like being in school because it was boring the classes and everything and out there we had fun we went fishing did all kinds of stuff went hunting (laughs) so that's How I lower my grades down.
1: Smiley's serious about changing his ways. At the time of this interview, he was coming to school more regularly than ever. But can he shake being categorized as a truant? Principal Jerry Turner spends a good deal of his day struggling with the question of why Latino kids aren't coming to Long Prairie High School.
0: Truancy is a significant problem for probably half of the kids that I deal with The uh, our Mexican students. Uh, we have tried to bring the parents on board. I've sent people out to parents' homes to talk to them about the need for their children to be in school. And we're, we don't seem to make a lot of progress with those kids where we've sent uh, uh, people out into the home to visit. That hasn't worked um, so we've, I've gone to the county now and filed truancy uh, petitions, uh, with the hope that this will I, the county will be able to encourage kids to come to school. I believe that their one of their techniques may be to send uh, a continual truant uh, to a weekend uh, stay at a facility. It's called Port in Brainerd. And if that doesn't work, if they continue to be truant, then the stay would be longer. If it doesn't work after that, the stay would be longer. They are uh, uh, they're going to take a tough stand with this issue.
1: Michael Rodriguez is a professor of educational psychology at the University of Minnesota.
5: I mean, in Agua Gorda the high school is a, a two-room building. So, you know, you know who's there and who's not there. and <laughs> You can't avoid it. You can't get away with it. I hear you you can seem to get away with it, but I I don't think they understand the consequences of truancy. Part of his family lives in Long Prairie, and
1: he knows the students well.
5: I think the first test was two years ago. The principal filed a truancy report on a student, and that student was picked up by the sheriff. Truancy is a child protection issue in this country, and and families didn't understand that. That if the kid doesn't go to school, it's because the the child is not being protected by the parents. And that's when the the family finally realized what that meant. It took him having to be taken away from the family, put in a a youth detention center in another city. And so there was a lot of talk in the community about that. And, of course, there were all these rumors that the real reason he was there is because of drugs or because he beat somebody up or because of this. It couldn't possibly be because he didn't go to school. Why would they take a kid away because they don't go to school?
1: Maybe a better question is, how do you prevent Latino kids from skipping school in the first place?
5: I think one thing would be to to know that there's somebody there that's on their side unconditionally that will support them, that can communicate with them, a counselor. I think they really need a counselor. They need somebody in the school to remind them that there are options that follow completing high school. And those options are not available if you don't complete high school. I think something like a soccer team would help because then there's something in the school that they they could feel like they belong to that's part of them it's part of the school they're part of the school right now there's really nothing there that connects them to the school the school is not you know they're not engaged the school is not engaging them they're not engaging the school
1: so why aren't they engaged in the school it's in every school's best interest to keep students coming and in Long Prairie's case Latino students are a financial boon to a rural school facing the usual budget crises. We're going through the same kind of budget restrictions and constraints that other schools
0: are going to, not to the degree that you see around the rest of the state of Minnesota, thanks to our Mexican population. Uh, Those kids are keeping us afloat financially, so we're not having to cut a million dollars out of our budget like our neighbors to the north are, or our neighbors to the south.
5: Well, there are a couple of things. Um, One is the state aid formula. That provides some something like s- little over seven thousand dollars per student uh, then there's an additional money that's brought in because of the ELL support additional money through title one because the, uh, so many of the families are low income families and there's additional money that's federal money through the free and reduced lunch program and then they also classify many of these students through migrant education because many of the families are also working with agricultural products. Uh, There there are some large potato farms and other things around there. In fact, a lot of the kids work at the potato farm in the summer. Uh, So they get additional money through migrant education. So there's a lot of extra money that comes in, not just the $7,000 per kid. I'm sure it's well over $2 million
1: a year. Dr. Rodriguez and other experts also agree that it's hard to integrate into the school community when most of your school day is spent segregated in the ESL classroom. School districts across the nation are trying to figure out how to challenge ESL students academically while supporting them linguistically. Natalie.
3: It was kind of harder here in Minnesota when I came to school because in California, since I was like in... I was in kindergarten I had like Spanish teachers and when I got here in fourth grade there was just like American teachers so it was hard for me because they couldn't translate in Spanish and my English was not that good at first because I didn't all my teachers were like Spanish teachers so they all just talked Spanish and Spanish was like kind of my first language and now it's like I have to learn English so it was harder for me because they couldn't translate. It was just English and English, and sometimes it was hard for me to, you know, understand some words. But now with the time, I've, I've learned some.
1: Principal Turner,
0: if I sit in a class, and I don't understand what's going on, and I don't know how to ask for assistance, then I, I can see why I'd probably want to stay
1: home. Doctor Rodriguez.
5: They, they have some problems with the amount, of the money that they can pay any one individual. So I think to, to attract a really good ELL teacher, they would have to pay them more than they pay their senior teachers. And I think the political clout there would be difficult for them to overcome. I would, I, would have, I would encourage them to make the argument, though, that we need to attract highly qualified ELL teachers, and this is what it's going to take.
1: In fact, the Spanish-speaking students at Long Prairie High School have dealt with a brand-new ESL teacher every fall. Without a basic structure for English language learning, students get caught in a holding pattern that can seem endless. One student told us that he has been studying the same nouns and verbs for six years. With a lack of expectations for student success, students get bored and disengage. As a result, in the history of the school, not a single Latino student has ever crossed the stage and accepted a diploma. When it comes to dropping out, every student has firsthand experience. In their community, it's become a part of growing up.
3: And my sister, she kind of disappointed me because she dropped out of school. She just never came to school, and I don't know, it was, it was kind of hard because, you know, she was just always with me in school and like our same activities and stuff, and I was just like gone. Actually, I was actually conversating with somebody about it right now, and they're like, what I'm going to graduate for, I'm going to get tired of it. I'm still going to work anyways after I graduate and this and that. I was like, yeah, but you're not going to work in genials after you graduate. You could go to college and have a better job, and it will be better for you. And they, I think the main reason is just to work. They just want to work, and they don't know what they're getting into because it, where these people are working now is really hard, and I don't think they want to go through that, but they just don't understand is a harsh job.
1: Natalie does know something about how hard these jobs can be. Her mom works in turkey processing.
3: I don't know. I'm not sure what's her job. I think she, like, packs the turkeys up and put them in, ba- in like, boxes and stuff. She work about eight hours a day. You know, she gets paid, like, nine-some. She's been there almost six years, so... I think that's a low wage for six years, <laughs> and that's why, like, I'm planning to graduate because yeah, I don't want to be in the same place where she is. And she, I know she doesn't want me either to be there where she is. I want to be a, a bilingual teacher because, you know, for the same reason that I see a lot of people struggling in the schools and they they think they need more teachers and stuff.
1: Like Natalie, Smiley has dreams too.
2: Right now I wanna be an uh what you might call it uh electronic engineer, something like that. I like to electronic stuff, like hooking up speakers, computers, TVs, all kinds of stuff. I like music.
1: And he's also got a lot of challenges.
2: I had problems with the cops, I had a court, the principal He called my dad and mom and said that I was skipping a lot, and they just sent me to court because I missed lots of days. He gave me detention for all those days, and I'm doing my detention.
1: Smiley's parents have their own reasons for wanting him to come to school. Every student that we talked to told us that, for their parents, a high school education was a major factor in them choosing to come to Minnesota, a state proud of its reputation for great schools. The students find it incredible that a lot of people assume that Latino parents don't care if their kids come to school. On the contrary, it's the reason that they work so hard in the first place. My parents, they kill cows. They kill
2: it with a gun, like in the brain and it kills them. And then they cut off pieces by pieces and they pack it and do all kinds of stuff with it. They work 10 hours a day, so that's 50 a week they're tired my mom i do like massages i do it to her so she could relax i turn on the tv for her but she still has to cook because i don't know how to cook (laughs) so they told me how how hard their job was and because they showed me their hands they get locked when they go like (coughs) certain fingers just get locked they told me if i was going to behave or what was to deal with me that I didn't do I wanted to work like them in a packing plant they told me that it was hard 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 work that it was better off for me to stay in school because I could find an easier job.
1: Smiley is working hard to stay in school and he might find inspiration in students like Elizabeth. She is hoping to graduate in the spring but like Smiley she has her work cut out for her and like him, her parents and their dreams for her to be the first person in her family to graduate high school are her biggest motivation.
4: My parents, they're important to. We come to the school and get education, and be someone in the future, you know. Because see, if you study, and here in the United States, you get more. I'm calling. Yeah, more opportunities to. To work we think when i'm in 11th grade everyone say if you graduate you'll be the first one and my parents say i want you to be the first one and i know you can do it and i do it for my parents
1: in order to do it elizabeth has been attending night classes at the area learning center for the last two years on top of her regular school day at long prairie high and her part-time job elizabeth has yet to pass the basic standards test and it's unclear whether all of her work will count towards her diploma. Still, she stays motivated. It's June 2003. Elizabeth is wearing her tassel cap and black gown. She is excited. Her family members take turns hugging her in the hallway outside of the school gym. She just took part in the graduation ceremony at Long Prairie High.
4: How do you feel? Yeah. I feel so happy.
1: Yeah? yeah? How does it feel? I don't know. I know
2: I feel so excited, so happy. <laughs> hey, how do you feel? Your sister graduated high school. Oh yeah, I feel good. For me it's a big thing and for my family too. Oh, because she's the first one in our family to graduate. Felicidades.
0: Este día, que para todos es especial, para nosotros es un orgullo, y es por eso que venimos a cantar.
1: A little later, the same afternoon, in the backyard of her large but modest home, Elizabeth goofs around with her younger brother. She's pretending to be a reporter, interviewing him.
4: I can ask something about the school. Hey, this is my little brother. He is in 8th grade. Do you like the school?
2: Yes.
4: Why do you like the school? So we can learn English. I don't know. Well, I think you are talking English, so you must know.
1: (laughs) A party is going on. The first of its kind for Elizabeth's family. It's a warm sunny day and card tables and lawn chairs are set out all over the yard. Many friends are here, including Michael Rodriguez, their honored guest. Dr. Rodriguez is happy for Elizabeth, but he can't forget that today is a bittersweet occasion for the Latino teens in Long Prairie.
5: It's not clear to me that, that anything has actually improved or anything is getting better. What, what is changing is the number of kids. So one graduated. Well, there are 50. You know, When I first started working with the high school, there were, there were two boys and, and Elizabeth. And of those two boys, one is gone. One is still there, but he's academically disengaged. I think he failed all his classes this year. Uh, and you know, so there were those three kids at the high school. And uh, that was just four years ago. The school is not to be congratulated at this point. Elizabeth is to be congratulated
1: we spent four months working with these students we wished that this project would have a neat conclusion or maybe a happy ending but we're not sure what the future holds for the Mexican kids in Long Prairie in fact despite her fierce determination her family's unwavering support, and all of those evenings spent at night school, we found out later that Elizabeth's celebration was premature. She did not graduate high school after all. Having failed to pass the state's basic skills test, a year later she is now working full-time and finding it difficult to make the time to study. Smiley fared no better. Like so many before him, he dropped out this year. In September... Natalie will start the 11th grade. Perhaps the most shocking thing about what we learned is how very typical the situation in Long Prairie is. But there are good models. Successful schools, including a couple of rural schools in Minnesota, have responded to demographic shifts with academic and extracurricular programming that is relevant to their Latino students. Whether it's the installation of a soccer field, teaching kids that Latinos have always been a part of U.S. history or simply playing salsa music on prom night, these investments have resulted in huge returns when it comes to graduation rates and overall student success. Is it simple to make schools more welcoming places for Latino students? Of course not. But it's the only way to make sure that all students get a chance to fulfill their dreams.
4: Wait one night. What? I mean, what do you want to do in high school? Oh! Play baseball.